morning, All Shores. So good to be here with you today to worship together. And I just want to remind us, you know, we serve a God who's not some person who's far off and distant, who wants very little to do with us, but we, we serve a God who's very active, who wants to be a part of our lives and honestly will be as much a part of our lives as we will give him, as we will surrender to him. And so my encouragement for us this morning, you know, we may be coming in this place so excited to be here, or you may be in a place where maybe you're struggling this morning or you're dealing with something very real and you just need God's love to be present to you today. Wherever you are on that spectrum, my encouragement is God wants to meet with you here today. And more importantly, that you are here for the right reason. That God wants to bring his resurrection life through the power of the Holy Spirit to you. And so with that, I want to invite you to stand And I just want to begin our morning by just singing out the truth that Jesus Christ wants to bring resurrection life to each of us. And in return, that our response would just be one of surrender, one of openness to what he has for us today. So with that being said, let's sing together and just worship the Lord. There's a singing in my voice. And a stone in my praise Pushing back with the darkest weapons for There's a power on my lips Even death can't defy When the name of our God is lifted Cause there is resurrection power When we sing the name Jesus, resurrection power, and we raise a mighty sound. Oh, come on, let the praise get loud, and make that empty grave resign. There is resurrection power in His name. Oh, there are days I have seen filled with heartache and loss, and a very Every time his praise breaks out, dead things rise up from the ground. I will leave my song inside that antique There is resurrection power when we sing the name of Jesus. Resurrection power when we raise a mighty song. So come on, let the praise give it. Come on, let's see it out together. Oh, man, come out of that Come out of that grave we see. Captives, let go of those chains. Let go of those chains when we praise. Dead man, come out of that Come out of that grave we see. Captives, let go of those chains. Let go. Come on, declare it over your life today. Oh, dead man. Dreams when we praise Come out of that 
those chains Let go of those chains when we surrender our hearts to you today. God, may our posture be one of openness to you. God, that the things that we may be holding on to, both good and bad, Lord, that we would be willing to lay those things at your feet and just be open, God, to how you want to speak to us today through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we are grateful and we just want to continue singing out our praises to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue worshiping together.
Amen. Christ is our firm foundation. He is who we put our faith in. He won't let us down. We go to him in prayer. And that doesn't mean that he gives us everything he wants or he answers prayer the way we want, but he, he does what's best for us. And he promises to be with us no matter what we're going through, no matter what we're doing. He is our firm foundation. And we're going to seek him in prayer now. And here at All Shores, we just invite you, if you came in, maybe carrying something that's heavy for you today or even for a friend or family member, we just invite you to have a seat and just offer that prayer up to God. Say, God, I need you to move in this situation. I need to be reminded you're my firm foundation. Some people will come around you, may put their hand on your shoulder just to go, you know, you are not in this alone. God is with you, but your church family is with you as well. So let's seek him now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for those truths. We thank you, Jesus, that you are our firm foundation, that we can put our hope, our faith, and our trust in you. That you're the God that we can praise and thank when things are going great. That we can seek you when they're hard. That you forgive us when we mess up. That when we make mistakes, that forgiveness is available. We are so grateful for that. God, and we ask that you move in every situation that's in this room and online. God, for those who have suffered loss, who have got a tough diagnosis, who are just have a hard time in their life. Maybe they're just not sensing your presence, God. Would you whisper in our ears, remind us that you love us, that you care for us in every situation? Would you provide where there needs to be provision? Would you bring healing, God? We believe that you still do miracles, God, that you still move. We thank you that through all this, that you are with us in the midst of it, that you promise to be close and to lead us and guide us. And we're reminded that we are just one expression of your church, and we pray for the other churches in our community, and we say thank you for them, and we ask that you bless them and lead them and guide them as well. And we pray for our missionary partners and leaders around the globe. Thank you for the call in their life that they've said yes, God, and would you provide for them? Would you give them hope? Would you give them a future? Would you give them fruit in their ministries? And we pray all these things in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, you can go ahead and be seated. You know, we, we live in a world where there is just a lot of tension, where there's a lot of division. You know, often we experience tension just within different generations. We experience division in our politics. We see division just in different groups of people, whether it's different economic groups, but different races. You know, in all these ways, we see this. Even in the church, we experience tension. We experience division. And we know that God calls us to something different, to something higher, that we're supposed to see people like Jesus does, that we're supposed to see in them that they are God's creation, that they are made in his image and they are his image bearers, and that's what we're to see in people. You know, it's Martin Luther King Day tomorrow. It's his birthday. We celebrate that. And we just thought it's a good place to be reminded and just to pray over you that we would become more and more like God, like Jesus, and we would see people as he did. So just receive this prayer this morning. Lord, we pray for compassion, kindness, and understanding. We pray for unity, hope, and love. And we pray for equity, justice, and mercy. And we pray that you would teach us to see others the way that you see us. Lord, we pray for boldness in our cowardice. We pray for strength in our weakness. 
and we pray for wisdom in our ignorance and we pray for wholeness in our brokenness. We pray to speak words of life and not death, words of blessing and not cursing, words of peace and not violence, words of light and not darkness. And we pray for justice to roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. Well, I want to welcome you to All Shore. So glad that you are with us this morning. If you're joining us online, so glad that you are joining us from your home or wherever you're at today. Glad that you are here, whether you're here for the first time today or you've been here for a long time. We want to connect with you and help you just take steps in your faith. And really, we've got two tools that help you do that. One is the connection card. There's a QR code uh, in the seat back in front of you. You can open up your phone and click on that and uh, fill that out at any time. We'd love to connect with you. You can put prayer requests on there and just connect with us and let us know how we can be helping you and serving you. The second way is what we call the journey. The journey is a, a series of four weeks classes that really help you understand the mission and the vision of the church as well as kind of your own unique spiritual gifts and abilities and how we can help you connect with those as well. You know, that happens normally at the 11 o'clock service right now each week, and you can jump in that anytime. But this month, we have a unique opportunity. We have two groups that are going to be doing that on Sundays. One is at 1 and one is at 5 o'clock, and you can do that at uh, 4 o'clock in kind of a small group setting that will be starting next Sunday. There's a sign-up for that in the lobby. There'll be more information on that on the, your e-news tomorrow as well. We'd love to have you jump in to the journey and join us on that as well. We're just going to continue this morning in worship because we really believe that when we give, it is an act of worship, that we respond to God's generosity with our own generosity, and we give back and partner what he's doing in our church and community. So if you came prepared to give today, there's several ways you can do that. There are offering boxes on the, by the doors on the way out. There's ways to give on the screen behind me. And we are so grateful for your generosity that we can be a generous church in our community. So we're grateful for that. Now turn your attention to the screen for more information. My name is Melody Hooksma. I have been at All Shores for about two years now with my family. Um, I'm a mom of three little girls, five, two and a half, and eight months. So my first experience with group was right after my husband and I got married. Um, he came to me and wanted to join a group, and so I agreed. I was just frozen with fear. I did not want to go in the house. I did not want to um, walk into a situation where I didn't know anybody. Um, it just seemed really scary and awkward, and I didn't know what to expect. Eventually, I went into the home and um, joined the group of people that I had never met, and it ended up being a great experience. Fast forward to about two years ago, we moved to, back to Michigan and to Grand Haven and we um, started attending All Shores. We knew from our previous um, 
home and church, we knew the fastest way to do that was to join a group. And so again, we started a group. We were able to grow deeper relationships. Um, it took several semesters of groups to get to that place where I felt like I could open up and share who I was a little bit with people. That was where I wanted to be versus feeling like I had to be there and, or I was forced to, I wanted to be there. When we opened up our home, we had about um, a dozen or so people come to our first group and um, they became some of our closest friends here. It was amazing how quickly we gelled with them and how quickly we became friends and we just built that community right off the bat and it became such an important place to us. Fast forward to that spring and that's when COVID hit, um, which obviously changed the dynamic of our group. So we decided to split guys and girls and by default, I became the group leader for the girls. At first, it felt um, super intimidating to me to be the leader of this group. I was really nervous about leading because I had never done that and I just wasn't sure I was qualified um, or the right person to do it. There were so many fears and anxiety that came with leading a group because I was so focused on myself, but what I've learned over the last year is that I really just have to be open and willing and the Holy Spirit will show up and do the hard work. If you are um, on the fence about leading a group and um, kind of held back by your fears, I just want to encourage you and say um, you really just have to be open to walking alongside of Jesus and he um, will be there for you and he will uh, show you the way.
God, I am reminded of how you've been present in my life, in both the ups and the downs. As I have thought about the ways you have comforted me, showered me with your love, my heart is filled with thankfulness. Help me to not forget how you have always been present in every situation. In this next season, I am asking that you create within me a greater dependence on you, that I would hunger and thirst for your presence, that I would grow in my connection with you and with others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. for our second week in this series on 21 Days of Prayer. And uh, I'm hopeful that you guys have engaged in this. Uh, I'm told, uh, as of this morning, 122 of members of our congregation have, have participated in saying that they've signed up for 20 minutes a day to pray through the needs that are listed online and to just cry out to God. And that's the most we've ever had. So, yeah, that's awesome. But... If you didn't start last week, that doesn't mean you can't start today. So we, we hope that you will engage in this at some level, and there's multiple ways to do that. Just go to allstores.org slash 21 days, and, uh, and there are some resources on there for you. One of them is a, uh, it's a devotional on version. So if you use the Bible app for version, there's a 21-day challenge. And I was challenged this week by one of the days that asked the question, what if God answered all of your prayers that you prayed this week, how would the world be different? Am I praying little prayers that, eh, if he answered all my prayers, I'd have a good day, I might get what I want, or am I praying those big prayers that God would transform our world and our community, that people would come to Christ, that we would see fruit from what God is doing in our lives? So I would challenge you to get involved at some level and, uh, and begin to walk through this together with us. I've had a, a fun weekend. Um, one of my friends, who is also the director for Global Partners for the Asia area, Pacific area, of all of our missionaries in Asia and all of the national leaders in Asia, has spent the weekend with us and uh, staying with me. And Ben Ward is here this morning. He is one of our partners. And uh, yeah, stand up, Ben. Yeah. So Ben and his family live in Singapore. I was, able, I was able to talk to his wife and his kids last night on FaceTime, and they are missing him. He's heading back uh, home to Singapore in, on Monday. So uh, just be praying for Ben, for all of the work that is going, uh, going on in the Asia-Pacific area, and we, we've got some work going on there. Many of you know the Ellisons who are there, and they're a part of the missionary team that Ben is leading. So uh, just excited about that. Um, but as we get into the message today... Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 8 is where we're going to land. But as we get into the message today, we believe that the Holy Spirit that gave breath and life to these very words is the same Holy Spirit that's with us now and that speaks to us. So we want to prepare our hearts and minds to hear what he has to say. So will you just bow your heads in silence and just prepare yourself for what God has for each and every one of you.
The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word endures forever. Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we can open up, that we can, even in our own heart language, read these words that were written long ago, but that are so relevant to our lives today. That as we talk about what you did for Israel, that it's relevant to what you are doing in our hearts And so, God, I pray that today, as we hear, it wouldn't just be what I say. Whatever is of me would fall to the ground and be forgotten. But what you say through your word and through your Holy Spirit to us, through a prompting, through a thought, through a phrase, that, God, that would stick, that we would hear it from you and know it was from you, and that it would correct us, it would challenge us, it would convict us, and that it would change us that we might be more like your son, Jesus. We pray this in his name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, if you were with us the last couple of weeks, uh, we've had some great messages. I hope that doesn't change today. But anyway, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Evan preached, and then last week, Pastor Pete started the series. But uh, I notice things when others are preaching, probably because I'm a preacher. I is one. So I watch that stuff. Uh, And I noticed a few things. They told some stories and showed some pictures of themselves. So I thought I would highlight some of that if you missed it, just in case. But Evan had this great story uh, of, uh, it wasn't great for him, but uh, how he spent some time in the hospital. But his message uh, was really great and not only spoke to me, I went to Hobby Lobby the next day. How many of you were here for that message? Okay, several of you. I went to Hobby Lobby the next day because he talked about the word that God was giving you for the year. And God gave me one before he even started talking about that. So I went to Hobby Lobby and I made myself a little bracelet with uh, my word for the year on there. So I'm trying to be real crafty. Um, And then last week, uh, Pete had a wonderful picture of himself when he was a kid getting a haircut and shared some of the story of his grandfather and the trunk that his grandfather brought all of his possessions in, tying it into the scripture that we're going to get into today of how Israel took things with them into this promised land. And uh, I was wondering, he's wearing white, I'm wearing black. I don't know if it's like the good cowboy, bad cowboy, but uh, anyway, he shared this. So I kind of felt convicted that I should share a little bit myself. And so I want to tell the story this morning uh, about uh, I had a 1980 uh, Ford Pinto. Any uh, Pinto fans here? <laughs> All right. Um, but I don't want to leave out the picture of myself, so here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody says, wow, it is right. Uh, I don't know if I looked better back then or now. But anyway, my wife looks the same, which is amazing. Uh, but uh, I just, uh, I wanted to show this. I want to tell the story because back when this, uh, these photos were taken, the car is in the same parking lot, and I think this tree is the very tree that's behind us. So this was a church that we were serving at in 1991. And uh, I was in college, and I drove that Pinto 45 minutes to work each day to this church, or part-time, Uh, to do youth ministry, Christian education. I would preach every now and then. So it was my first ministry job that I had. And my Pinto was not going to make it for very long. And it got so bad at one point that uh, I was concerned because we couldn't afford much. We were renting an apartment, which actually was a converted garage. And uh, when the wind blew in the winter, the couch would freeze uh, on the backside. So, you know, I'm just 
That's where we were, right? And we couldn't afford much. And uh, I was worried that if the car actually died on me, I, I wouldn't have transportation. I wouldn't be able to go to work. And if I couldn't go to work, I'd lose my job. It, it would affect us greatly. And so one evening, I was just really wound up about this, and I couldn't sleep. So I got up, and I began to pray. And I prayed for several hours. And it was probably one of the first times that I had really cried out to God. And it wasn't just about the vehicle, but just for his provision. And uh, about two hours in, I had this overwhelming sense of peace that came over me. And it was though God just said, I got this. And I was like, okay. And I went to bed. And I didn't think about it again until about a month and a half later, I was driving uh, from the apartment that we had. I was driving down the road and the Pinto died. It was done. And um, it was the same day I found out I had asthma because I pushed the car down the road and uh, (laughs) discovered something else. So, uh, but I didn't know what to do. I knew God said he had it, but I wasn't really sure what to do. So I called my friend, who was another student, and I said, hey, um, can I borrow your car? I knew he had one. And he said, well, yeah, except for I don't have my car. I have another car. My dad, a week ago, gave me this car to sell to students. We were trying to uh, get rid of it. And I brought it back from home in Michigan, where he lived, down to Indiana. And he said, my dad... wants me to sell it. So why don't you take it? And if you're interested, you can buy it. And I said, well, I can't afford anything right now, but I'll take the car to borrow. So drove this car. It was great. Smooth ride. I I was like, this is awesome. So I came back, dropped the car off for him. And I said, what do you want for this? He said, my dad said $1,500, but if there is a ministerial student, if if you're a pastor, if there's a student studying to be a pastor, you can sell it for $1,200. I said, great. I don't have $1,200. But thank you. And I went home not knowing what to do. And then I went out to the mailbox, and I opened up the mailbox. And the school, a month earlier, right around the time where I was praying, had, uh, there was some kind of a scholarship issue. And because I was a junior, studying, I received a scholarship that I didn't know I got. And so the school was reimbursing me for that amount. And the check in my hand was for $1,200. Yeah. So I don't think I went to the bank. I think I signed that thing off. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I think I signed the check over and handed it to my friend. And I purchased a 1975 Ford Fairmount (laughs) in dog puke yellow. I think that was the official color. If you would ask me back then, is this the car you want? I probably would have said no. I love this car because it was a gift. And that thing lasted a long time. And it was great. The youth groups that, that I, I pastored, uh, they called it the banana boat. They loved it. We would all cram in the back. It was a gift. And I got to tell you, my, my heart changed. I had gratitude for what God had provided. And it, wasn't, it didn't matter the color. It didn't matter the kind. 
It was a gift because it, was, it met a need for me. You know, as we get into this text today, I, I want us to ask this question. When was the last time you felt that gratitude? When was the last time you cried out to God and you were just so thankful for all that he has done? And is that, or has that been, a regular routine for you? Some of you, I know, uh, have gone through some difficulties. And when you come through those difficulties, you show up at church, your attitude has changed. You are here to praise God. There is a gratitude that you carry with you. There's other times when you're going through difficulty and you don't think about, what am I thankful for? What, what has God done for me? Our culture doesn't help with this, right? You turn on the news, you hear things like, tonight at 6, gas prices so high, you won't be able to afford to go to work. More at 6, right? And you're thinking, what? What do I do about that? Next time you go to the gas station, you, you pump the gas, you're not thinking, oh, I'm so grateful that I have a car and that I can afford the gas, or at least part of the gas that I'm putting in my car. You're, you're, not, you're not grateful. You're reminded of the new story. And you're discontent. You know, it might help if you knew that in Norway, gas prices are $9 a gallon, but I don't know that that helps us a whole lot. It might change our perspective, but that doesn't help a whole lot. We just kind of live with that discontent. And it's not only the news stories that come across, it's, it's the advertisements, right? And our young adults, our youth, they probably get it more than some of us. They, they get it all through social media, on their phones all the time. You know, things like, are you dissatisfied with the way that you look? Well, yeah. How did you know? Because everybody is dissatisfied with how they look, right? But you don't look at yourself in the mirror after you get those advertisements and go, oh, look at that. Oh. Right? You don't think to yourself, I am made in the image of God, in God's likeness. He has filled me with his Holy Spirit. He has given me gifts and abilities and skills. I am uniquely and wonderfully made by God. No, we go, I'm having a bad hair day. I don't, but some of you, right? It's just the attitude that we have because we're not reflecting on all of these other things. And it's true with the things we purchase. We think that they're going to make us happy. We're, we might have gratitude for a short period of time until the car gets a dent in the door, until things break down around the house. And then we have discontent again. We're not satisfied. We want more. In our North American culture, we want more possessions, more wealth, more time, more rest, more events, more entertainment, more leisure, more relationships. We, do, we just want more, thinking that this will bring us joy and gratitude. In the majority world, there are individuals that every single day are desperate for their need to be met for that day, for food, for shelter, for water, for heat, for transportation, for relationships. And they find themselves crying out and in need for those needs to be met each and every day. In Ethiopia, and we saw the video, in a couple of weeks we're, we're going to have opportunity to sponsor some children in Ethiopia. Some of you already do at our care point. But when we travel there, we see that. We see that there are families that each and every day, they, it's called day labor. It's because you don't have a job. You don't have a career 
You just have the day. And you hope that that day you can do something for someone who's going to provide for you either an income or some resource that you need. And at the end of that day, when your need is met, man, you are grateful. One of the things that our teams come back with when they visit in Ethiopia, they come back and they're blown away. All of these children, their guardians, these individuals who have so little, but they are so much happier than we are. What's the difference? It's an attitude of gratitude. You see, for Israel, they had been in the wilderness, right, for 40 years. Pete shared the story last week. They were in the wilderness for 40 years, and every day they were desperate for their needs to be met. And each and every day, God provided. He gave them manna. They couldn't store it up. Manna was that bread from heaven, that paste that landed on the ground, and they had to go out and collect it. But every day, they were reminded, God is providing this for me today. The quail, the water, the resources, the relationships, even direction from God. God, what do we do today? There was a pillar of fire at night over the tabernacle. There's a cloud over the day. And when it was time to move, God moved. And they were like, well, then let's go with him. Everything they needed every day was provided by God, and they were dependent on him for that. And yet things were going to change. God was leading them into a promised land, and life was going to change. But one of the things he wanted them to take with them was the same attitude of dependency and gratitude that they had learned in the wilderness for 40 years. But it is so easy when we move from scarcity to prosperity to forget. To forget that gratitude that we are still dependent on God for all things. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning with verse 7, the Lord says to this nation of Israel, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. It means a favorable land. It means to have your needs met, to not be lacking, to have no trouble, to have prosperity. It's the word tov, which is also used when God creates in Genesis 1, and everything he creates he calls good. It's the same word. I am bringing you into this place that is good as the very creation that I made. And I'm doing this for you, God says. And he expounds on this. He's like, it's a land with brooks, streams, deep springs. I like to think that he has provided you with that. I, my last name is Spring, and I feel like I'm deep. And I'm, I'm a gift. No, I'm sorry. That was bad. Deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, honey, a land where bread will not be scarce. You won't have to go out every day. You won't have to grab that manna. It's going to be plentiful for you. You won't have to worry about that. And you will lack nothing. All your needs met, not your wants, but all your needs met. A land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. This is a new transition for them to move from scarcity to prosperity. They're going to be in a place that they weren't before and the temptation would be to forget that they were dependent and to forget who had provided all of this. Several years ago, 
uh, I was with a refugee family. We work with Bethany Christian Services, and we have a, a, a team that works with refugee families when they come to our area and get settled into our area. And uh, it, I, it just so happened that I, I was the first person to take this family who had been, who is from Sudan, but they had been in a refugee camp for years, dependent on whatever was provided for them. And they, had, they, they came to the area, and I took them to Meyer for the first time. Some of you have experienced some of that with our refugee ministry. Talk about moving from scarcity to prosperity. It took us an hour to like walk through Meyer just to see. They were blown away. In the past, if they were asked, do you want juice? There was only one juice. And we're standing there for a good 10 minutes just looking at all the juice. They were trying to ask. I didn't speak the language, so we were, we were trying to communicate as to what type. How do you explain the flavors of juice to someone that you can't speak the language to? That, that's what we had to do. So we were there for a while. And not just the juice, which was the biggest deal of the night, but it was like milk, right? Because before it was just milk. And, and we're staring at the you know, refrigerator section, and you got whole milk and skim milk and 1% milk and 2% milk and almond milk and soy milk and milk milk. I don't know what they have. They, there's all kinds of, there's chocolate milk, right? And they were blown away. I was reminded of that. This is the experience that was going on. They were filled with gratitude. They couldn't imagine that they had come to a place where all of this was available to them. And they were grateful. But you and I, we don't walk into Meyer and go, oh, look at all the stuff. We go, they don't have my cereal. What am I going to do now? Right? We take things for granted. Our internet goes down for half an hour and we go, what kind of dark days are we living in? Traffic gets really bad, right? And you're stuck and you can't get to where you're going. And you're thinking, what kind of world, Lord, have you put me in? <laughs> We're not filled with gratitude. We don't think of all that God has provided. We don't think, oh, thank you, God. I at least get to sit in this warm car even though I'm stuck in traffic, right? Our minds, our hearts are far from that. And this is the very thing that God is trying to teach Israel. When you go from scarcity to prosperity, don't forget all of the things come from your heavenly father. They're all his that he's given you, and your heart should be one of gratitude. And man, when we begin to live that way, oh, it changes things. This last week, as I was preparing for this, it was, it was God was changing me. I started to think of all the little things that he does for me. Turn on the light. The light works. Like, I didn't cause that to happen, Right? There's so many things that could go wrong for that light not to work, but it worked. I, I just started taking on an attitude of gratitude for all that was going on around me. When you and I move from scarcity to prosperity, which, let's be honest, we live in prosperity here in the North American culture, the temptation is to forget. And here's what verse 10 says. When... When you have eaten and you are satisfied means your needs have been met. When you have what you need, 
Praise the Lord your God for the good, same word tov, for the good land he has given you. Now I want to tell you, the word praise and the word give is a picture. The word praise literally in the Hebrew means to kneel. That's what the word means. When you have all that you need, remember to do this. Be in a posture of praise for what God has given you. And the word to give is another picture. The word means to reach out. It's this image of God reaching out and blessing us with all that we have, and you and I in a posture of kneeling, receiving it from him. That's the picture. God says when you get there and you are in that place, don't forget that your posture should be one of gratitude for all that God has given you. Gratitude is your posture for all God has provided. This is what God is calling us to. There's a group uh, uh, of people uh, in Central Africa, Sub-Saharan Central Africa, called the the Kerry People Group. And uh, one of their practices is that when a tribe member has a need and that need is met by another tribe member, in the morning after their needs have been met, they go out, the head of the household goes out and they kneel in front of the hut of their benefactor and they stay there for the morning hours as people begin to rise and begin to walk around. And it's their way of saying, thank you. I wouldn't be here. My family wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have what I have if it wasn't for you. And everyone gets to see. And it's all acknowledged. I think that's the picture that God wants us to have. That when others see us, that when others know that we are followers of Jesus Christ, that there is something in us that they go, oh, they're praising God for all that they have. They have an attitude of gratitude. It's not something they've done on their own. It's that God has provided for you and I. That's what God is after, a posture in all that we do in our lives, this idea of gratitude. There's a story in the New Testament, too. It's a little different because uh, it's a story about Paul. He was an apostle. He was called by Jesus to go to all the Gentiles. And, and Paul did, was a missionary, so he went out and, uh, and he preached the gospel. Churches were planted. People were healed. Uh, he built these relationships, but he, he wound up imprisoned in Rome for his faith, for following Christ. And so while he was in prison in Rome, he would write these churches, and one of the churches he wrote to was the church in Philippi. And it was a church that also had many needs, But he found himself not in a place of prosperity. He found himself in prison, not able to do what he wanted to do. I think that sometimes is true for you and I. We find ourselves not today thinking, oh, all the wonderful things that are going on because we just heard bad news. We're in need financially. We're in need health-wise. We're in need in broken relationships. And it's hard for us to find that gratitude Paul was in that place. 
And yet, here's what he said. Philippians 4. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content, to be satisfied, to have gratitude with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or an empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me his strength. Paul found his gratitude in the best place he could, and that was in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where our gratitude begins, that God so loved the world that he would send his only son, that you and I might be saved. We start there. Other things, what we have, our health, those relationships, that's in addition. But to know that you have the hope of eternity, that your sins are forgiven, that God's spirit is with you, that his presence goes with you, through everything that you are going through, that is where our gratitude begins. That's where we begin our our contentment and our attitude begins to change. Oh, there are other things that God has done for us. I imagine Paul could tell the stories. Oh, I saw him heal this person. This church was planted over here. He's in prison, but he's still seeing God at work around him. And he is so grateful for all that God is doing. So whether you are in need or on the other side and you're in prosperity, the lesson is still the same. Gratitude is the posture for all God has provided. And it's something that he wants for us. It's a challenge for us. It's difficult, I think, because we forget, don't we? We have it so well here that we tend to forget who has provided it all. In the late 1800s, uh, the king of Spain, King Alfonso XII, uh, he was a believer, and he found out that his pages, who took care of the court in the palace there, that they were eating every day, but they, they weren't blessing their food. <laughs> and he wanted to teach them a lesson, to be grateful. And so he invited all the pages to this dinner, this banquet, and uh, King Alfonso XII Uh, invited them, and they all began to eat, and they didn't give thanks. And they ate in front of the king. And then a beggar came in. He had arranged this. A beggar came in from the streets. And he came in, and he sat down at this table, and he began to eat, and he ate his full. And then he got up, and he walked out, and he left and never said a word. And these pages were upset. They were expecting the king to say something, and he didn't say anything. So when when the beggar left... They got upset and they said, how rude that this person would come in, that they would eat at the king's table, that they wouldn't even say thank you. They wouldn't even acknowledge that you're the king. He turned to the pages and he said, every day you sit at a table supplied by the bounty of your heavenly father and yet you ask not his blessing nor express to him your gratitude. Ouch. Church, I think we need that lesson. Every day, we live in a place and sit at tables. We have everything that we need, and then we forgot to give a blessing or to give gratitude to the one who's provided it all. 
Church, we need to take with us into this place an attitude of gratitude, a posture that praises God for all that we have. There are ways to develop this. I love Pastor Ralph. Many of you know Pastor Ralph. One of the ways is just to simply respond when someone asks how you're doing. He always responds with, I'm grateful. Every time. That's his thing. Ralph, how you doing? I'm grateful. He can tell you what he's grateful for, too. That's a beautiful way to begin. Maybe that's, that, maybe that's a step for you. There are other ways that you can uh, grow in this over the next 21 days is, that we are in right now. Begin to journal. Have you ever sat down and wrote down all the things that God has done? Sometimes as you begin to write them down, you remember even more, and you're like, oh, wow, God has done so much for me in my relationships, in my health, through finances, through the things I'm able to do and my gifts that I have, the job that I've received. There's so much. You could take time during your prayer time, during these 21 days, and begin by just listening. As you begin to pray, just thank God for all that he has given you. Set an alarm on your phone. For some of you, that's a, that's a tangible thing to do, is set a time during the day that goes off that you are reminded. I'm just going to thank God for what he's doing in my day today. Share on social media or in church. Some of you do the, you know, challenges online and you might want to just hashtag gratitude and just kind of share the things that you're grateful for. The other is right here at the campus on our windows there uh, leading into the worship center, we have a place for prayer and a place for gratitude. Write them down. Post it on there. Because we are dependent on God for both. Scarcity, prosperity, in prayer and in gratitude, we're dependent. Neil, kind of sounds like a strange thing to do. There is something that happens when we take a posture in our prayer, when we take a posture in our worship. Deuteronomy says, when you are satisfied when you have all those things. Neil, find a posture of praise. In just a few minutes, we're going to close out this service, but we're going to end in communion, and we're going to receive the greatest gift that God can give his son, Jesus Christ. We're going to remember what it is that he's done for us. But before we get there, I'm going to pray and then we're going to just hear some music playing. The worship team's going to come out. Carter's going to come out. And he's just going to play some music. And as he does, here's my challenge. I would like for us to just find a posture. If you're able, it might be to turn in your seat and, and kneel. It might be to sit and open up your hands and say, God, all that you've given me, thank you for all of this. It might be to stand. Whatever the posture is, I want you to find a posture of gratitude and praise. And we're just going to take a minute to do that, and then we're going to worship together. Why don't we pray? Lord, uh, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that it starts there, that that is enough. Just as Paul said, 
that we can be content in all things knowing that we have you. And that doesn't change whether we have little or we have much. But Lord, I I pray that our heart would be a heart of gratitude whether we have little or much. That we would realize how much we need you and how much you love us and what you have done for us. So Lord, as we pause even now and take a posture, Lord, we want to give you the praise for what you have done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. just singing out.
Love that song. It says, All the earth, all the earth will respond. All the earth will praise. It's a passage in scripture. You can find a seat. It's a passage in scripture that says that there's coming a time when every knee will bow. That's that posture. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We get to do that now. And we get to do that in anticipation that as we live out this life of gratitude, as we praise God, that others will know and that they too will be transformed by a relationship with Jesus Christ. As we take communion this morning, if you're a guest with us here, we want to invite you to participate as you pursue that relationship with Christ. You don't have to be a member of our church or our denomination, but if you are pursuing Christ in faith, we invite you to participate. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his disciples and he took the bread. He gave thanks and he broke it. He said, this, this bread, no longer manna, but me, this bread I give you. I take your sin upon myself for you. I do this for you. That's the gift. Let us take in remembrance of him. And then taking the cup, said this is the blood of a new covenant, my blood shed for the forgiveness of your sins. That whatever you have done, however you have failed, Whatever sins you have committed are washed away by his blood, his sacrifice, that you can be made new. If nothing else, oh, we are grateful for that. Let us take and drink in remembrance. Lord, again, we give you praise. We give you thanks. We lift up our voices of gratitude for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that our lives would be a reflection of that this week as we go out. Do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand? I want to invite you to come back next week as we continue this series. I want to uh, invite you to participate in the 21 days of prayer and go online and find a way to do that. Take some time this morning to write down a prayer or something that you are grateful for. I also want to invite you tomorrow night... Six o'clock 
here at the Springland campus. We have our core night. It's going to be a great time for you to hear more about what God is doing, some direction of where God is taking us, and would love to have you here for that. Six o'clock tomorrow night here. Once you open up your hands and I'll give a blessing. And now may God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, continue to fill you with his spirit. May he fill you with gratitude for the little things this week and the big things. That your life would be a reflection and a posture of praise. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a great week.